0: Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer, who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry, who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Females on Fire. We have a great guest today, and I am so excited because she is going to be bringing the fire to talk about sales, which obviously we all need in business. We have the 20 on the Rise winner, Marva Goss on today, and she is a sales strategist for coaches and creatives. So Marva, thank you so much for coming on with us.
1: Thank you for having me, Haley. I'm really excited to be here and chat with you.
0: Yeah, we are definitely excited to have you because I know this is something that we all need to hear. So tell us a little bit about you and your business and how you got started with sales strategy and just tell us your whole story.
1: Right. Oh my gosh. Such, how much time do you have? Let me ask you that.
0: Such <laughs> a long story.
1: It's so interesting how I got here. Um, but as Haley said, I am a sales strategist. I work with small business owners, usually women business owners that need help, really showcasing the value of what they do and increasing the bottom line. And so I spent 10 years in the Air Force and um, I loved it. Everything was fine, but I have a family. I have a husband who's also in the Air Force, and we have a a daughter. And I knew that I didn't want both of us to be gone all the time from her. And there's just always that chance that both parents may have to up and leave and go overseas for an extended amount of time. And um, when we had her, things changed. I was like, okay, I, I do like the Air Force, but I know I really I want to do something different and I want to be just at home for my baby and not have to worry about both of her parents being gone at at any time. And so um, from there, I started really looking into – Small business ownership and entrepreneurship and online business, and how to get started and what do I need, and just researching and looking at things that I'm already good at. And so that was a long process of just almost like preparing my mind for, oh, I'm not going to have the safety net anymore, you know. Um, so I went through that preparation process and then I took the leap. And I left my full-time job. Um, I actually started my business as a VA. And I realized really quickly, I did not like that. Um, I did not, I, I just wasn't good at like making sure someone else's vision came to pass and I also just wasn't good at like taking somebody else's to-do list and trying to make it happen. I was just too knee deep in my own to-do list, but I did it and it was a great experience and I realized it wasn't for me. And so from there, I hired a coach because I needed someone to help me kind of navigate and figure out what was I going to do? Um, how, what was I going to do next? How was I going to really make this business thing work? And make sure I was happy with what I was doing at the same time. And so that's when I made the shift to brand strategy. And I, I love that. I still have people who come to me who, who look for help with that. And I kind of have to tell them I'm not really doing that anymore. But that was really fun. But while I was doing brand strategy, I um, stumbled up on a sales certification program called I think, Selling Instructor and it's by Kendrick Shope, she's one of the top female sales leaders just internationally, she's amazing, and so myself and about nine or ten other ladies went through her certification program. I went through her coaching program, um, like a small group, and it was phenomenal, and I saw how it transformed my business, it transformed my mindset, about um, sales and I just learned so much. And so I was super interested in doing, going through the certification process. So I did that and trained with her, um, maybe for about a year, a little over a year, which was fantastic. And um, you know, I came out the gate with my certification and started taking on my own sales clients and have definitely helped them have some really awesome transformation, watching people Feel like they want to throw in the towel on their business and feeling like uh, maybe I'm not doing the right thing, um, to you know, having a five figure week and having a six figure month and being like, Oh, I really can make this work. It just lights me up, it just does something for my soul. It makes me so happy to see people have hope again and to be able to do, you know, do the things they really want to do with their time and their money. And nobody wants to be stuck behind a desk all day, you know, we're all in business because. Yes, we have a passion. We have something we're really good at, something we want to put out there and help people do. But we also want to make a decent living. And most of us go into entrepreneurship for the freedom and the flexibility. And you can't have either of those with no money. And so that's some of the reasons why I'm so passionate about sales and selling and really helping other people get more of what they want out of life and live the life that they really want.
0: I love how excited you get about it. You can hear it in your voice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I do love it. It's amazing. Super powerful.
0: Yeah, that's so awesome. Let's just sort of talk about sales. For those who are listening who don't really know what you mean when you say a sales strategy, what is that? What does a sales strategy mean and what does that have in it? And how do you actually come up with one? Yeah,
1: so a sales strategy um, is ultimately how you're going to take people from becoming maybe an onlooker interested in your business to becoming a client, to becoming a paying client. And so there's a lot of different steps in there. Um, there could be for most people they have a funnel. You know, maybe it's a, a freebie to a thank you page to your email list, and then they hop on a call with you. And then, you know, you, you sell them into your program. And so that's usually what a sales strategy looks like. But there's so many, I mean, a lot of people maybe use webinars, or they may use challenges, and there's no right or wrong way It's just what's right or wrong for you and I usually come in and I help my clients figure out what strategy are we going to use. Are we going to do a webinar? Are we going to do a challenge? How are we going to get people into this program, Um, either evergreen or if they're doing an open or closed cart, how are we going to really ramp up for this launch? And then once we have the strategy in place, we go into um, more sales strategies, which looks like How do we hold a consultation call? How are we following up with people? Um, How are we creating raving fans and making sure that not only are they loving, you know, your your process and your system, but they also are excited to go tell somebody else. So that's some of what's included in sales strategies. It looks different for everybody.
0: Right. So how do you, you know, let's say you're an entrepreneur and maybe you're just starting out or you're just getting serious about your sales and you aren't really in a place with your time or your finances to hire a coach or a strategist. What would be the first step for you for making a really great strategy and and putting that into place?
1: Yes. I'm so glad you asked this because this is, this point is so important. Um, The first thing I always tell people to do Is you have to reframe your your thought process and your definition of selling because most of us when we think about sales we automatically get that image of that pushy car salesman when we were looking for a car Mm -hmm. and they just wouldn't leave you alone or you know you walk into a department store and you really just want to browse but somebody just keeps Pushing something on you or trying to get you to buy something you don't really want or need, and nobody likes that feeling, and that's really not what sales is. The actual definition of selling is the exchange of money for a product or service that's it, nothing more, nothing less. And so, if you don't reframe that definition you have in your mind of what selling is, you're going to always feel like you're a car salesman. You're going to be terrified to ask for the sale. You're going to be terrified to hold a consultation call. It's just always going to have this negative, you know, feeling behind it that's really unnecessary. And so again, the definition of selling is just the exchange of money for a product or a service. It's the exchange of value for something else valuable. That's it. And so you also need to remember that selling is actually helping. If you have a product or a service or some type of system that can really benefit my life, my business, my family, and you don't ever offer it to me, you're doing me a disservice. Like, that's not cool, actually, right? So, selling is helping, it's actually offering something that's valuable and that you know has the ability to really help people get more of whatever they want in life, whether it's more time, whether it's better health. Um, Maybe it's you sell decor and they want a cozier or more attractive home. Maybe it's a better relationship. If you're a relationship coach, whatever it is you have to offer is actually going to benefit people. And you should make the offer. You should let them know I have something that has the potential to transform your life and to help you enjoy your life more. So that's one of the first things I would suggest people do is reframe their definition of selling, of what sales is, and also to remember that selling is helping. Um, something else you have to think about with selling is you have to decide for yourself how aggressive you're going to be. And most women, you know, this is one of the reasons I love working with women, we have a tendency to just not ask for the sale at all. We'll do nothing um while well, a lot of men will just be super pushy and just be like um either you want it or you don't but a woman you know will be like oh no I don't want to force anything and it's like well you haven't even asked them if they want it yet so we're more usually more on the conservative side of sales and we don't want to be pushy and we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable and we're afraid of bothering people but you are in business to make money. And I'm not at all advocating for being pushy, but I want you to remember that you are in business for, to make money. And if you don't make this make money, your business will be broke and it will be bankrupt. And that's not cool, right? We don't want that. So, in order to have a thriving, healthy business, you have to sell, you have to offer your products and services, you have to tell people about the benefits and the transformation of your product and service, and you have to decide how pushy. I I don't want to say how pushy, but what end of the spectrum am I going to be on, right? So a zero is like, I'm just doing nothing to try to really offer my products or services. And a 10 is like the car salesman, right? So where are you going to be on that spectrum? Maybe you're going to be a five. So you're going to offer your product or your service, but you're not going to always have a sales pitch. You're going to try to be more of a resource. Um, And so when I think about this, Spectrum. And I always tell my clients about that. Are you being a zero? Are you being a 10? Are you being zero? You're not doing anything. You're laying on the beach just waiting for clients to come pay you. Or are you being a 10 and you're being the pushy car salesman? Because whenever you are in this, your sales process, whether you're on a consultation call or you're sending a follow up email or you're creating a, a, a blog post or an Instagram post, you have to think about which end of the spectrum am I being on if you feel uncomfortable. And usually when those uncomfortable feelings are coming up, we're moving a little bit too far over to the pushy car salesman. But you also don't want to be all the way over on the, I'm just waiting for people to come by. Why is nobody buying from me? (laughs) But I'm not doing anything side. So that's just a tool you can think about is what side, what end of the spectrum am I being on? If you start feeling uncomfortable or if you're not getting any sales, then more than likely you're not selling enough. You're not offering enough. You're not showcasing the transformation that you have to give people enough that would um, encourage them to take a step and do something.
0: That's so good. I love the way you just framed all of that because it made it seem so much easier than most people think that it is. And it's so good. And I love the way you know you said that selling is helping. And I think people don't really ever think about it that way. So. I think that was just an awesome way to look at it. And, you know, we hear, you know, coaches and strategists and our biggest mentors all say, you know, you've got to be selling and you've got to do this and you don't have to be pushy. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you said women are just scared to sell and they're scared to push people to buy their their product or their service or whatever it is they're offering. I think we have a real problem with that because you're right, men do tend to be a little more confident, a little pushier when it comes to making sales and women are just not. And so I I love the way you just sort of took that and, and completely reworked it to make it seem like a really positive thing. That was really cool. Yeah.
1: So with women, you know, I think our, one of our things is we're so afraid we're going to bother people. I hear that all the time. I don't want to bother people. You're not bothering me by helping me. You know, by telling me about the transformation that by telling me, if you're a health coach, I'm going to use an example here, that um, you could help me lose maybe 100 pounds in a year or, you know, 20 pounds over the next couple of months and my blood pressure will go down and I'll I'll no longer be, um, you know, at risk for diabetes or heart disease or whatever it is. That's not bothering me. You're just trying to help me. And so I think we have to get rid of that, that thought process of that we're bothering somebody. No, I'm just trying to help whether I'm sending a follow-up email and saying, Hey, I remember we had a chat a couple of days ago and I know you're super interested. And I'm just wondering how you take any more time to think about it. I'm looking forward to working with you. That's not bothering anybody. That's not being pushy.
0: Right. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think women are so naturally helpers. And we, we want to take care of everybody else. And we usually want to take care of everybody else before we even take care of ourselves. So I I think that way of thinking about it really makes selling appeal more to women. So that's so good. It's gold. I love it. Thank you. So let's say now, you know, they've got the freebie or the webinar or whatever it is they need to get started. They've gotten in this mindset that, okay, you know, selling is helping. I don't have to be pushy. And they've kind of figured out the person they want to be when they sell what's the next step? How do you actually get clients into a consultation or on the phone for a consultation? And then from there, how do you make sure that they convert into paying clients?
1: Yeah. So one of the things you can do to make sure you are booking consultations is actually make sure that you are outlining the transformation they can expect. People are not buying your program or your service. They're being buying the transformation. They're buying what's going to happen on the, the end, at the end of this program. It doesn't matter to me if it takes six calls or two calls, or if we have one group coaching session, or if I'm going to have all these PDS and homework. You know, we try to use those things as selling points. They're really not, but we try to use them as selling points, as like added value, and No, they don't really care about that. What they really care about is the transformation. And so you've got to really, really nail down. What's the transformation that people are really investing in? And if you're not that sure what the transformation is, ask some of your past clients if you've had some. Hey, what what have you been able to accomplish since we've worked together? What have you been able to do? How do you feel? How do you think? How do you act? What's different in your business since going through this program, okay? And then if you don't have any testimonials yet, you haven't had any clients, then you can definitely just go do some market research. I'm an advocate of asking people, hey, what is it that you want? What could you use more of in this specific area regarding to my industry or my niche? People will tell you. And so that's one of the things that I always have clients do um, to get some really good information and write down word for word what they have said, because these are the things you want to use on your sales page. These are the things you want to use um, in your freebie and in your webinar. What have they said they wanted? Because a lot of times we're selling people something that they don't want, but they may need it. So you really want to sell what they want. And while they're in your program, you can still give them what you know they need. I I hope that makes sense. So um, you definitely want to start there with the transformation, making sure you're actually selling them what they want, not what you think they want. Um, And then you can give them what they need in the program. And then once they get on a call with you, one of the top things you can do is one, be appreciative that people spent their time on the phone with you. I cannot get my time back. I can go make more money, but I can't get my time back. And so one of the first things you do when someone hops on a call is you say, thank you. Thank you so much for scheduling this call with me. I know you are busy because, and, and that goes a long ways. I'm telling you, not everybody does that. It goes a long ways because people feel like, oh, this person respects my time. They respect me and they realize I don't have to be here. There's a gazillion other things I could be doing, right? Um, another thing that you want to do is set the expectation on your call. and so. People, um, I have people come to me all the time and they're like, oh my gosh, this, this consultation was supposed to be 15 minutes and it became 45. And when you, a lot of times when you lose control of the conversation, you've lost the sale. You need to take control of the conversation. And so you need to hop on. Thank you so much for hopping on a call with me, Haley. I just want you to know this call is going to take no more than 15 minutes. I value your time. Very simple Out the gate, you're already establishing rapport, you're establishing credibility, and you're taking control of the call, which means, they won't go off and start talking about their grandma or, the, you know, we all like to do it. We get comfortable with people. We start, we go on these tangents, right? These soapboxes. We want to keep that from happening because you're going to lose the sale usually if it goes on that long and you, you lose control. But you want to start off by saying thank you. And then you definitely want to go into setting expectations so that people know that one, you respect their time and that two, you're a business owner. And it kind of inadvertently says, hey, I'm kind of running the call right now. So I already had a structure for things. I'm super organized. It says a lot about you. It's funny. I have literally had people just, even from those first two things, I've had people say, um, oh, I want to work with you after that. That made me so happy because I'm a busy mom. I've got four kids. And when you told me you respect my time and it was only going to take X amount of time, I was already sold. I kid you not. I've had people say that before to myself and to clients. So those are some, some top things they can do.
0: Yeah. Those are definitely great tips. Great, great tips. Yeah, I hear all the time where people are like, I'm getting the leads, I'm getting them on a call. And then it's crickets after that, you know, the call went really well, or they feel like the call went really well. And then it's just crickets. What's your recommendation for a follow-up process? So let's say they don't, you know, hop on the phone and just fall in love with you immediately and want to book you. What's the follow-up for, you know, just trying to make sure that you're reaching back out to them, you're getting in touch and, and trying to push them to buy from you without, you know, feeling pushy. Do you have a recommendation for how many days should you wait or, what should that follow up look like? Or, you know, how often do you keep following up before you kind of just give up if they're not interested?
1: Yeah. Okay. So first you follow up as long as you want their business. And unless they tell you, which this will never happen, unless they tell you stop emailing me, right. <laughs> you can following up as long as you want their business because a no right now doesn't mean a no forever. And sometimes, even if someone isn't the perfect fit, they may know somebody who's a perfect fit, and so they may continue talking, um, talking about you to somebody else. You know, um, I was reading a book as a great example of this by this guy who's a real estate agent, and he's done like billions of dollars in sales over like maybe 10 years or something. It's something astronomical. And he's talking about how he used to just follow it, like just send emails. Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, I hope you and your family are having a, a, a great holiday season or happy new year. I'm just circling back to see how you're doing and um, to see if there's anything I can support you with. It's just Those are just simple emails. But he would send those year round to this client. And he did it for a couple of years. And then the client emails him and goes, you know, I'm ready to buy. And, and the person buys like this multi-million dollar, something like a $10 million property. And the guy told him, it's because you were relentless and you were consistent, and you kept emailing me, and you kept sending postcards. Even if he wasn't pushing the sell, he just kept staying in contact. And so staying in contact is is a point of following up too. They're not crazy about you. It's perfectly okay. Um, A lot of times you will be able to sell them in follow-up if you are consistent. And so I like to tell my clients, hey, After you've had that consultation call, if you have the consultation today, I need you to send a follow-up email, just recapping what you talked about um, today, at least before the end of the day, within a couple of hours, max would be great, but at least before the end of the day, you need to send a follow-up email. Then, if if you don't hear back from them, in about 48 to 72 hours, you want to send another follow-up email. It could have gone to their spam. They may not have even opened it right? I don't open all of my emails. And so from there, if you don't hear back, you could email them maybe like once a month um, just to check in. If they said anything that was very, you know, a big deal to them, you know, people have a tendency to talk about their kids or to talk about an anniversary or a trip that's coming up. Then when you follow up, you could drop those things in there. Hey, hey, Haley, I remember you said your son's birthday was coming up and I'm just checking in to see how you're doing, and I hope he had an awesome birthday party. Looking forward to hearing from you soon. That's very genuine. It also shows that you just seriously care, and I'm not pushing them to buy. I'm just staying top of mind. And so if you don't hear back from them in those first couple of emails, your goal is to keep the communication going, to stay top of mind, so that if they become ready to buy from you, they always remember when they need this service, oh, this person emails me all the time. Let me reach out to her. Or they're going to talk to somebody else who needs your product or your service and you're going to be top of mind still. And so following up can be very, very, very simple. We make it so hard. I mean, it can literally be, if you, if you had a consultation call three months ago and you hadn't talked to the person, you could literally drop in and say, hey, happy new year. I hope all is well. I hope business is great. Just checking in to see how you're doing. I hope to hear back from you soon. Signed, Marta. How easy is that, right? It doesn't have to be as hard as it make it be. If you can send those heartfelt, genuine emails that will showcase the fact that one, you really care. Two, it's really not all about the sale. And three, you're consistent. You're not giving up. So those are my tips for following
0: up. Yeah, I love it. It's so good. So, I mean, basically being the squeaky wheel pays off is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> it, it, and it doesn't have to be pushy, you know, yeah. it can just be, hey, I hope things are going well. And people like to know that you care about them. It, you know, we always, all of us, we buy from friends. If you feel like somebody is a friend, if you feel like they're friendly, if you feel like they care about you, you're more than likely going to buy from them Mm -hmm. before you do somebody else. And so sometimes people just need to see the consistency that you have and just know, hey, she even, the fact that you even listened when we were on the consultation call to the fact that my kid had a birthday come up points. You know, that's a big deal. Not everybody does that. And some of these things seem really simple, but I promise you, if you do them, you will be steps ahead of your competition because a lot of people don't.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're basically building confidence in what they feel like your abilities are. Cause I mean, there's so many of everything out there. You know, if you're a wedding planner, there's so many wedding planners that they could choose from. If you're a coach, there's so many coaches they could choose from. If you're a real estate agent, there's so many real estate agents. And so, I mean, if you're staying on them and not in a pushy way and you are remembering their kids' birthdays or their anniversaries or whatever, you're just building their confidence in you. So I, I love it. I love the, the tips. These are really, really good. I know our listeners yeah. are taking notes because I know I, I'm jotting down little things that you say that I'm like, I need to remember that. So let's talk really quick just about revenue because we can't talk about sales without talking about revenue. So let's say that we've got somebody who they're getting clients and they feel like their, their sales pitch is okay. Their booking process is kind of okay. And they're happy with the amount of clients that they're getting, but they're not necessarily happy with the revenue that they're bringing in. What's your advice in that situation? How can somebody, you know, what do they need to look at in their business to start really sort of upscaling and increasing their revenue?
1: Yeah. So one of the first things I do if I feel like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm making sales, um, I have clients, I'm very happy, but I just want to take home more or I want to, my business to save more. Um, I look at all the systems and stuff that I'm, that I'm investing in right now. Some of us are paying for stuff we don't even use. I raised my hand right there. So, <laughs> so that's the I mean, and that sounds like something very simple. It's very true. Those things are money suckers sometimes. Those subscriptions that you don't even log into or stuff you forgot you had, um, that no one's using. I mean, definitely go in and get rid of some of those things, those tools that you aren't using. That you if you haven't used it in like 30 to 60 days, you're probably not gonna use it. So just I would say just let it go. Um, something else I've always suggest my clients do is they're start looking at how you could create more income without having to spend more of your time and so for some people that looks like making a mini course maybe they pull a portion out of their their coaching program and they make it into a mini course or if they're um, a creative and maybe they they do um, calligraphy, you know, can you maybe create a mini course on, on how to start with calligraphy or something like that, but what knowledge and information do you have in your arsenal that you can pull out and sell to make more money, um, so that you're not necessarily expending more time, but you are increasing your revenue, just kind of, I know we call it, passive, but not passive, but it's a lot better to go and, you know, spend maybe an hour or two recording like a mini course or a tutorial video and then putting it up for sale rather than having to add one or two more clients if you don't have the capacity to do so. So I would say start with those two places.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Well, this conversation has been absolute gold. I know I said at the beginning of this that you were going to bring the fire and you absolutely did. Cause I think this is going to be so, so good for so many listeners. So at the end of every episode, I do a quick little lightning round and these are just fun little questions that I'm genuinely curious about, uh, about other business owners. So are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning?
1: I'm ashamed to say it, unfortunately. Um, I grab my
0: cell phone and I
1: check my email and I know it's horrible. But the first thing I do is I'm like, and I keep telling myself, stop doing that. Like, just give yourself a chance to breathe. But no, I check my email first thing in the morning.
0: Yep. I'm the same way. So I feel you. Uh, What is your go-to snack during the workday if you have one?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. I'm a snacker. Um, Sunflower seeds. I will eat sunflower seeds day and night actually, but that's my go-to. Yeah.
0: I love it. What is one item that you cannot live without? Something you recommend to everyone?
1: Um, Something I can't live without. Okay. I'm a pen person. Um, I like pens a lot. I know that probably sounds crazy, but those little paper mate ink Joy gels like I don't want to write with anything else. So, I'll go to Office Max and just buy up the pack, especially when they're on sale. I think everybody should try those pens. Those are the best pens. I'm serious. I get when I used to work, with, you know, my at my 9 to 5, I would give them to my coworkers and they would just love me for it. They're like, "This is the best pen I've ever had in my life." So, my ink Joy gel pens are are it.
0: That's awesome. I will have to make sure that I have those on hand at all times now. <laughs> Just So I can think of you.
1: Yes. That's awesome. I'll send you some.
0: <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you have ever been given?
1: Mm. Okay. So the best piece of advice I've been given was related to business. You don't have to necessarily be the most skilled or the most knowledgeable. You just have to not give up. And That just has resonated with me so much um, that sometimes it's not being really successful doesn't mean that you have to necessarily you want to be the best, but it doesn't always come down to who's the best. It comes down to who has the most endurance, who's going to not give up when things get hard. So I think that's my favorite quote because it just hits me in my gut every once in a while.
0: That's so good. I love that one, and that's cool that it kind of it goes along with what you were saying about following up with
1: yeah. potential
0: clients. You know, just continuing to show up and really never give it up. That's awesome. So tell everybody where they can find you. What's your website? Your social media? Where can they go?
1: Yeah. So my website is Um, I usually am on the gram more so than Facebook. And so my handle is at Marva Goss, M-A-R-V-A-G-O-S-S. And I also have a special freebie, um, a follow-up framework freebie that I'd love to give to your your listeners. And um, I'll make sure I get you the link, Haley, and they can download that. And it just has some tips for following up and sales and all that great stuff that they want to learn more.
0: Yes. And we will definitely put that in the show notes. So everybody run over and head to that link and grab Marva's freebie because I know it's going to help you so, so much. And I'm sure that this conversation did too, because this was so good. So many amazing tips about sales and how to up your game on your sales strategy and process. And this was absolutely amazing. So Marva, thank you so much just for giving us a little bit of your time and your amazing wisdom on how to really step up your game.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun.
0: That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter or following along on Instagram, you can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.